Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today in the Above180.com podcast for our second part of our interview is Dr. Dean Hinnitz. Dr. Dean has been practicing sports psychology now for over 30 years. I want to remind you, if you haven't checked out the first interview, please go back and do so. That's Above180.com. That's the last one we did. Also, you can check that out, obviously, on iTunes as well in any previous interview. But check that out with Dr. Dean. We go over lots of things. And Dr. Dean, I do want to thank you for being so gracious with your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me on again, Tim. Thank you. All right. Well, let's... Um, Let's first off tell people and remind them if they want to go back and if they, they're only catching part two, where were you for part one? Part one was really great. We talked about getting inside the mind of Jason Belmonte and some of the uh, wrong questions we ask ourselves that we should not ask ourselves and the three, uh, three, three C's, uh, what that's all about. So you can check that all out in part one of the interview and certainly in Dr. Dean's book. But now I want to talk about one thing that we did. Uh, we ended with our last uh, chat, Dr. Dean, which was how one PBA star was able to live in the moment and not let it get the best of him at the World Series of Bowling on the ultimate stage, live, ESPN, Thursday night telecast. First off, who are we talking about? And then second off, talk about your impressions on how we was able to do that. Uh, you're referencing Gary. And, uh, you know, Gary, part of what makes Gary so special is a number of things, but uh, everybody has this mythology that you have to have been there before to get it done, like, whether people often say that about like the Super Bowl, like, well, the team has to get there and you have to lose, and, and, and then you figure out you could have won it and what to do, and you come back and win. And um, Gary didn't fall prey to that mythology. Uh, part of what Jason referenced in the forward, and, and Gary really got, which is that whatever you're going to do, it, it, it doesn't require that people agree that you could do it. It doesn't require that... Um, that they sort of give permission to do it. It doesn't require that, you, that there's evidence that you've already done it before. Um, none of those things 
were necessary. Gary, I think, had a couple of things, uh, several things going for him. He did, he did have a fair amount of experience, I have to say, both for uh, Weber International um, and uh, was a collegiate national champion. So he had, you know, winning wasn't new to him, and uh, he has a lot of confidence in his game. Gary, uh, we talked about confidence last show. Gary steps up in the approach, and I, and I think one of the strengths of his game is he he's really clear, I'm going to execute my shot. And I don't think he came in there saying, I'm going to win no matter what. I think he came in there saying, I've got a, I got a pretty good game, I match up well, and I'm going to execute no matter what. And, and he didn't get caught up sort of in the froth on top. We have an expression that we use called diving under the waves. We say like if you're swimming in the ocean and you want to take your surfboard out, when the waves come in, you have to dive underneath and be in your own space, and you can sort of glide out without a lot of trouble. But if you stay on top where the waves are, you get beat up a lot. And that's sort of like tournament drama is on top of the waves. You know, this is a major title, or this is on TV, or here's the money that's at stake, and it's all the stuff on the top. If we dive under the waves, you're sort of in that space. As we talked about last show, you're in your pre-shot, your routine, you're in the familiarity of your bowling, and you're in sort of the love of making your best stroke. And Gary, better than almost any player I've ever seen who won a, a first-time title, kept himself under the waves. He was in his own space, seemed to hold on to a fair amount of his humility, like uh, his ego wasn't looking around a lot, wasn't running. And uh, even after he won, you could sort of feel it. He was he was just there being what he is. And I add, as we talked about, it wasn't a surprise to him to win, I don't think, at all, as I know Gary. Um, he, he sees himself as a, as a champion player. And when the day came to him, when the shot, you know, when he lined up well, uh, he was prepared for the moment as opposed to trying to prove something or earn something. I think his victory was consistent with what he knew himself to be, which is a champion. Another one of the great stories you talk about in the book was a story that, um, and I will say this is one of the truly great things too, is this, this book really helps you get inside the game of some of the bowlers and even how they think things through, which is another way this book is, is great, Dr. Dean. It's not only some of your insights, but uh, the story I'm going to talk about now is with DeAndre Beatty, And you talk about a mistake that she made where she wasn't in the moment and it cost her. And that was an interesting story. And then that's, again, even one of those things for an athlete to go back and say, man, you know, I've... This is what I did, and I, I'm not going to do this again. But talk about that DeAndre story uh, in the book and kind of how that all came about and really what the, what was one of the things that she did then and then uh, obviously she talked about now about how she won't do it uh, in future tournaments. Yeah, I was, the, the incident you're talking about uh, was in 2007, I believe, and what happened, and those of you who know DeAndre, she's, she's really nice, pleasant, and she wants to, she's the one who throws the dinner party and wants to make sure everybody's happy. And, uh, uh, and they came to her before the telecast and, uh, they said, hey, you know, we're running behind a little bit. we got to get things moving. And this is right before the finals. I think she was facing uh, Kelly Kulik. And uh, in the end, her did her part, like, okay, we have to go faster here. And, and she and she gave up on her own her own timing, her own aspects of her pre-shot experience. You know, 
for listeners, if some free to practice, every sport that self starts, you know, that doesn't have defense. If you're a diver or you're a gymnast or a bowler or a golfer or anything, there's a moment. If I, for those who are proficient at the highest levels, they'll take their breath and they'll sort of feel inside, like yes or now or go. Like this is my moment. They'll they'll have a starter experience, like a starting gun inside. They'll just feel like. Now is my moment to push away. Or if you were a diver, you know, now is my moment to bounce. They self-identify it and go. Um, when you give up on that, you know, it's, it's almost like you give up playing offense and you start playing, you know, defense. And I think what happened for Deandra is she started going on the director of the show's timing instead of waiting, sort of finding her own sensor, taking her breath and pushing away on her time. And she, she got... You know, by her own description, she got beat pretty badly. And uh, But worse, she didn't get beat based on skill. She got beaten based on not being herself. The timing wasn't hers. Her bowling wasn't hers. And I think it was very painful. You know, she's a, a marvelous bowler. She's got over 60 interna- you know, titles internationally, won just about everything. And she left there not being her. And it took her a long time. It was five years. She got into that position again in 2012, and and she did learn. She made the, the decision. She said, this time, I'm going on my time, and I'm going to be myself. And I believe she even got fined on the show for taking too much time a time or two. And who cares, right? Because you'll pay a few hundred dollars to do it. More than the prize money by far was to win the title and to be the Queen's champion, and she... She is that and was that, and made all the difference. Dean, you also talk about um, people and fear-busting. That's another thing you talk about in your chapter titled Toughness to Overcoming Adversity. As bowlers, it seems like the adversity, sometimes we can create it in in our own mind. There may not be any adversity on the lanes, but we're creating it. But sometimes it it, it is where there's... um, whether that be fear, whether it be the lane conditions, whether it be watching other competitors. But um, that was one of the things, too, where I thought you'd talk about, you know, just how to overcome that and how to deal with, uh, you know, fear busting so that when you're bowling, because you can't play defense in bowling. It should be all offense, and that's the way we need to approach the game. You know, there's, they say fear, E-A-R, is a, an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And... uh you know, in the lanes, you know, we in our minds will create all kinds of drama in terms of what we feel like is at stake or what it means in terms of makes and misses. And, you know, what we think there is to be afraid of, to use this language kind of loosely, is kind of ego-based stuff, that somehow I'm unacceptable or I'm rejectable or I'm no good or I'm exposed if I miss. And if I succeed or make it or win, then somehow I'm okay for the moment. And all of that has to be disputed. Uh, fear is dispelled or sort of can be erased when we just sort of reconnect. And, you know, we remember sort of what, we, what we've trained for, what we can do, um, what I'm sure I can do no matter what. You know, the... Like, I can't, no matter what, I can push away on time. No matter what, I can let that ball just sort of hang and come down by itself instead of, instead of yanking it down. Um, to, you know, no matter what, I can trust my training. It's when we start talking ourselves through our game 
it's like you, we forget that we know how to play. You know, if you're sitting on the couch, even now, if you're sitting on the couch, you just say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get something out of the refrigerator. You don't think about, okay, it's going to take some hip flexors to get out of this chair. I'm going to walk steady. I'm going to keep my head steady. I'll cock my elbow, bring it in, you know, and pull. You have such confidence in your ability to get up, walk, and open the refrigerator. You don't have to talk yourself through it. And you've done it a million times. It's like, I can open the refrigerators. You actually can bowl that proficiently as well if you're, if you're practiced at all. Um, you have your game until you start questioning your game. And then once you start talking yourself through your game, and that's the thing I talked about before, we talk in self-talk. Really, we have self-doubt. You don't talk yourself into opening the refrigerator. You just can because you can. I guess it's okay to key on one thing like grabbing the handle well, but that's kind of it. When we get lost in our fears, we lose confidence that we can do our most basic movements, and then we start trying to talk ourselves through all that. And, you know, the way out, as I say, is to sort of reconnect with the athlete that you are. There's a number of techniques in the book that, that talk about how to do that. Yeah, in, in that same chapter, you also talk about don't shoot on yourself. <laughs> and this is one of the things that it comes especially to light now with some of the changes coming up at the USBC Open Championship and with the pattern and they're not releasing the pattern. And bowlers are funny because that's the one thing that you hear when they go bowl a tournament. Well, the lanes should hook like this or they should be oiled or they should be this. Um, that's something it seems like we all catch ourselves in that trap. But um, it's something we just need to break free from that I guess you could say right and just get it should if, if it didn't it didn't you can't make it do something that, is, that a reaction you didn't see out there now the expression we like to use is that the only traction is in truth and the only real break point is in truth and if we pretend that something is supposed there's two places you can live life as it is supposed to be and life as it is and uh, there was one uh, by one of my favorite uh, stories uh uh, Kim Terrell Kearney, now Kim Kearney, was bowling in a, a tournament in Southern California, and, and a lot of the big names were there, and they had a, a children's party on the lanes right before this, essentially it was a regional. And uh, and so things were messed up. Kids, you know, they, they didn't restrip and oil properly. There was stuff on the approaches, and players were carping and complaining, spending a lot of energy in how it should be. And Kim, through her middle game training just really reoriented said this is how it is like what would i have to do to win today which is sort of the essential question for a champion is what would be necessary for me to win today and if there's frosting on the lanes you know so be it somebody's going to win this thing here's how it is what would i do and if you have to if you have to loft over a piece of cake again so be it uh and while others were running around playing the management Tim was busy problem-solving. How do I win here, given how the, the approaches are, given how the lanes are? And she did, in fact, win because she was living in what is as opposed to what should be. And even if the pattern is different than, quote-unquote, what should be, what you were told was out there, any energy that's spent complaining is energy that's not going into the ball. And one of the mantras that we have with our players is don't complain about anything. Even to yourself, it's like an old Zen saying, don't complain about anything, even to yourself. 
Well, great stuff, Dean. Want to hit on, uh, we just finished up here in the last couple weeks, Junior Gold just uh, took place. And I noticed it was kind of funny watching a lot of the Facebook posts from the people over there and just um, just saying, oh, man, these, you know, some of these parents need to, need to have their, you know, have their <laughs> neck strangled because they're, they're going and they're putting all this pressure on these, these kids, you know, whether they're 12, 14, 16 years old. It's like, just let the kids bowl and have a good time. But talk about that as, you know, from the parental perspective, of just saying, you know what, go out there and, and be in your game and do it, do what you do, and we'll see how things end up. You know, we actually have a section on this in the bowling psychology book for parents and coaches. There's a couple pieces here. Some of this is almost biology, deeper than psychology, but parents have to be aware of this. It's like if you watch your kid trying out a bicycle and they're, they're riding and they're wobbling a little bit. They hit a manhole cover and, and your child's about to wipe out. And any parent, you know, that's connected to a kid, your stomach's going to drop and you're going to already feel your knees scraping and you're going to want to run out, you know, grab them. Uh, and then they ride the bicycle and they're, they're riding in and you feel relieved. And that, that, that sort of neural, neurological network that ties you to your kid is right there. It has evolutionary significance because it's, it, you know, if you believe in evolution, it's what, you know, sort of keeps us from letting our kids fall out of trees. We're right there. We're connected to them. But in bowling terms, survival is not at stake, and they're not playing on the skinny branches of the trees. They're, they're just throwing a spare. And it is vital for parents to disconnect from that experience to, you know, the mantra that we have is just, you know, three words, actually, watch him or watch her play. The guideline is just watch. You're there to be an enlightened witness to, to your child's experience. And it's about him or her. It's not about you. And the last part is it, it really is supposed to be play. It's supposed to be a wonderful experience. And so those three words, watch him or watch her play, are the guidelines. What happens is kids are just as wired into what's going on with... They can practically feel your breathing change when they make or miss a shot. And... You know, it's too much for a child to be focused on the lanes, focused on trying to do their best and to enjoy the experience and be aware of all the changing expressions in a parent's face. Almost any input that the parent gives during junior gold or any other competition mostly is felt critical, probably criticism or critical feedback. It rarely helps a child bowl better. Final question I have for you, Dean. This has all been very great. Again, want to remind people to check out the book. Not going to hit the whole book because uh, it would just we, we'd be here for hours, Dean. But again, the book is titled "Bowling Psychology: A Guide to Mental Mastery of the Lanes." You can check that out with, the, like we said, the forward by uh, Jason Belmonte. Um, speaking of Jason, now when I lived in Oregon, I just moved down here to Phoenix. A lot of times I would bowl with uh, PBA titleist Chris Warren and senior uh, player Kevin Croucher, two great bowlers. I'll, I'll be admittedly. And, and I'm going to be 100% honest and say their games were, are, are, are they're better bowlers than me. But I feel like bowling with them, uh, number one, I could beat them on any given day, and I did beat them, and we would just practice, and we'd be, you know, we'd put a quarter on it just to, just to you know, just to, like you said, I think you had talked too about always being competitive, and that was a part of it for us. We'd always just put, you know, just have a little something there. Um, but bowling with people like that, I feel... And correct me if I'm wrong, but that can help bowlers so that you're not too big for the moment when you step up on the lanes. If I start practicing with Jason Belmonte, 
pretty soon I'm going to be bowling and be like, well, I bowl with Jason Belmonte all the time. What does it matter that I'm bowling with this five-time guy who has eight, five 800s and this, that, and the other and all these honor scores? Is that, is that a way we can think about things? Well, I do encourage people to, I, you know, whether you have a Coke on the line or a Coca-Cola, whatever it is, I, I love when people play pot games. I love when people compete. I think uh, there's a level of focus and intensity that, that trains you for any other competition. And it's true, you, you know, when we bowl against our heroes, somehow we diminish ourselves. When you make someone a hero, you're, you're sort of making yourself smaller. When you get used to playing with someone like a Chris Warren, a great player, um, and it becomes familiar, and then, as you say, every now and then you win, and you go, gosh, you know, I, I can play with these guys. The, the best comment I ever saw, there was a, I was watching a tournament, there was a youth tournament, uh, and beforehand, uh, there was a kid playing with his dad, and his dad was a bowler. And uh, I don't know what they had going exactly. Uh, but the kid, and this kid was like seven or eight years old, and he beat his dad in one game, however it happened, uh, whether the dad threw the game, I don't know. But the kid looked at his dad afterwards, and he said, you know what, Dad? Dad says, what? This is really true. And he goes, if I could be you, I could be anybody. And I looked and I thought, in that kid's psychology, it just turned. It just turned. You have to be, you have to know if you play with a champion's consciousness, if you play a champion's game, that if it's your day, you get to have it. But most people don't. Their self-concept is such that they, they start getting more and more nervous because they don't feel like if it, they don't feel like champions. It is a way of thinking. It's a way of being. It's not, like I said, it's not an ego thing. It's a self-concept thing that says, put in the work, I've put in the time, I'm showing up for it, and I'm bringing what I have. And if what I have is enough today, it gets to be mine. And champions really do think that way, and also Rands really don't. And throughout the book, we talk about, there's so many interviews with, with great champions, because I want people to see, this is how they think. And, and those who are reading can think that way too it is something that absolutely you can do great stuff dr dean we're going to have to leave it there i will say like you said you go through and read this i'm seeing you know seeing right now you talked to you know you interviewed bob learn jr for the book amleto monticelli deandra uh, rod ross tommy jones jason couch the list goes on and on of all the folks that you talked to for this book so a lot of great insight information again if you're a bowler i'm going to say this is a must-have for you something to read go through if you look at mine i got it highlighted and i got starred and circled and underlined and all sorts of stuff so great stuff there dr dean where's the best place for people to go and get the book you know it's pretty much available anywhere you can go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com or the publisher is humankinetics.com any of those places, uh, they'll be readily available. eBay, I think, even has it. Well, Dr. Dean, as we end our time here, I'd like to remind folks, you can also find some of your writings at BowlingThisMonth.com. You want to check that out. They're Bowling's best and most complete technical resource. That's BowlingThisMonth.com. Got all sorts of ball reviews, got articles from gentlemen like yourself, other coaches that are going to help you with your physical game as well, seeing the PWBA roundtable up there. So lots of great stuff. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com. It's always a pleasure having you on to chat and go over all this stuff. And again, I feel like... I can say honestly, personally, that I've, I've gathered and, and worked through a few things just in our interviews of what we did down at your particular house. I think I told a story 
maybe one of the last times we chatted, Rice struggled at uh, the old Grand Sierra, which is in your backyard there. And we did an interview, and I even listened to it on the way down, and I listened to it, and I listened to it, and finally at that place, I feel like I don't. It's, it hasn't defeated me before I even step on the lanes and put my shoes on. So um, uh, trust me, folks. What Dr. Dean says, if if you listen and apply it, it does work. And and lots of great stuff in the book here. Again, Bowling Psychology: A Guide to Mental Mastery of the Lanes. Dr. Dean Hinnitz, thanks again for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for having. Me. I appreciate it a lot, Tim.